Welcome to the Dream Chasers podcast. I'm your host, Jess Shuruk. I'm a photographer for wellness brands, and I teach bloggers and business owners how to style and photograph content for their own brand with my brand photography course. I created this podcast to share the stories of entrepreneurs pursuing fulfillment, wellness, and spiritual enlightenment over traditional measures of success. Their stories and experiences are meant to inspire, expand your belief of what's possible, and empower you to actualize your dreams. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share it with someone who could benefit from the information and stories you're about to learn. In this week's episode, I spoke with Leah Davis. She is a new business friend of mine that I met this year, and we met through my mastermind I was part of. And I'm so happy to share this info with you guys (laughs) because Leah is such a sweetie. She's so down to earth. She's so in tune with herself and sensitive in the best way possible. And she started her whole entrepreneurial journey as a travel blogger, which I found so freaking cool. Who doesn't dream of being a travel blogger? And then after traveling for a few years, she became a photographer. And that's, you know, we connected a lot on that because obviously I do photography as well. And now she's shifted and it's been such a pleasure to watch her transformation because now she is a self-love and emotional healing teacher And she guides other people through this um, transformation, through these teachings, um, with her course called Elevate, which we do talk about more in this episode and what that includes. So I wanted to do an episode on emotional healing for a little while. A big reason was because after being an entrepreneur for like over three years, I feel like I did that thing that everyone kind of says you're not supposed to do, like spiritual bypassing. And I would be so focused on being happy and optimistic and ambitious and driven and, you know, focused on what actions do I take next that I really avoided and ignored the emotional healing that I had to do to get to the next level. And only recently have I started really seeing the importance of it and embracing that whole process because... It's not a pretty process, (laughs) but it's so necessary. Um, And I know I think a lot of people can get caught up in pursuing goals. I know I have and maybe looking for happiness in things outside of themselves. And again, I'm going through that. I'm just like, what on earth? I just want to feel as amazing as possible day to day. And I'm realizing it's definitely an inside job. And in order to feel really happy on the inside, you have to just go back and heal all of the traumas, all the shit that happened when you were younger and impressionable and you were just like a sponge and soaking up all this stuff. And it's just a, it's a messy process and it's, I feel like it's not something that's really talked a lot about, especially with um, other people in the entrepreneurial world, but how you know if you need this sort of 
stuff in your life. Like, I really think everybody could benefit from some sort of, like, healing or therapy or self-love practice. But if you feel stuck of where you're at, and if you feel like you are repeating a lot of negative cycles in your life, like, maybe you're going through, you know, like, you're always experiencing the same negative situation in your job or your business or in certain relationships or with your health, and you're finding it very difficult to break these patterns, um, it's like, you know, you're kind of like stuck in a rut or maybe you've hit a rock bottom. So you're at a very low point in your life and things are just kind of falling apart. That is when, you know, you need to do some sort of healing work. And I personally, I've had a rock bottom when I was in university and I feel like I have been in a rut. I feel like you kind of just go through ruts before you kind of go up to the next level sometimes. But that's when you need to really set aside time, focus on you and heal so you can really just break free and stop repeating these negative cycles. So anyways, that is my little rant on why emotional healing is so important and why this episode I think will be so valuable and useful. Um, Because me and Leah, we go really deep here, but we're also like kind of vulnerable like I mean I just share a lot of things (laughs) um but Lee is awesome she gives so many great tips that you guys can start implementing right away some of the things that we talk about um we talk about triggers it's funny because I used to be like almost not make fun of that word but like not like I was like what do you mean you're triggered like what does that mean but now I see it as like you know when you're triggered it's like oh that's just something that like catches you and you almost like feel like you got like punched in the stomach like oh, that hurts. And it's like not physical. It's like from someone saying something or a certain situation. That's kind of how I would like determine if like what's a trigger for you. But we talk about using triggers as tools for your healing. So they're actually not a bad thing. We also talk about clearing limiting beliefs, um, specifically feelings of unworthiness. Oh my God. Feelings of unworthiness. Sorry. (laughs) Um, Also, She shares different practices to heal um, physically, emotionally, and spiritually because it really is a whole holistic approach. Uh, Leah also describes um, her spiritual awakening and she used plant medicine um, throughout that process. Um, We also talk about reparenting your inner child and tips to manifest. We talk about like relationships and money. Um, I dive into some things about Uh, my current situation with like manifesting a partner so yeah those are just a few of the topics that we chat about so yes that's a little recap I'll just dive right in now so you can uh, start (laughs) listening hey guys Jess here back with another episode of the dream chasers podcast and today I have Leah on Hi, Leah. Hi, Jess. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to have you here because like I just said, you're all about emotional healing and self-love. And I was kind of just mentioning before we started recording, I'm going through a lot of that right now. So I was like, this is the perfect person to talk to today. Mm, Yes, (laughs) perfect. (laughs) Yeah. So before we like dive into what you currently are doing, I did want to start with like how your journey started as an entrepreneur because I know you started as like a travel blogger and photographer so walk me through a little bit a little bit about that sure I would actually say that I kind of stumbled onto entrepreneurship it wasn't really a conscious decision at the time when I first started my journey which began um, with my travel blog which I started back in 2014 I always kind of forget the very first date I think it was 
early 2014, I started travel blogging, but I had no intentions at the time of turning it into any kind of business. It just kind of like evolved that way because I realized while I was on that trip, I was traveling through South America and I really didn't want to settle in one place. I was really like kind of addicted to the digital nomad lifestyle by that point. So when I realized that I could start monetizing my travel blog, I was like, heck yes, I want to do that, you know, and see what it's like to keep traveling while making a living on the road. So it kind of evolved from there. And I started, um, I didn't make money from my blog right away, but I uh, developed, you know, a skill set that I was able to use as a virtual assistant. So I worked for other bloggers and then I became a freelance writer and I started doing all this different freelance stuff. And, you know, at a certain point, I just decided that I wanted to go all in with my own stuff, my own projects. So I put all my I quit all my freelance positions and I put all my energy into my travel blog and I tried um, doing the full-time blogging thing for a while. Mm-hmm. Eventually discovered that that wasn't quite right for me either. And I also stopped traveling at that point. Um, so maybe about three or four years into blogging, I was really burnt out on travel. So I just needed a home base at that point. So I ended up coming back to the States and uh, settled in my hometown for a little while. And it was during that time when I kind of realized, you know, actually photography is the thing that I'm most passionate about. So I want to kind of start transitioning into doing more of that, especially since I'm not traveling anymore. It doesn't, you know, doesn't make sense to keep, keep up a travel blog at this point. So um, I guess if we flash forward to today, I, you know, I'm now living in Hawaii. I moved here about a year ago I started my photography business when I moved here and it has evolved even further since then to what I'm currently doing, which is more um, self-love coaching and I've created an online course. So um, I'm kind of at this point building my online empire and I still do a little photography on the side, but my main focus is self-love coaching, creating these courses and that's my story. I love it. I love it too because I feel like a lot of people would see travel blogging as like a very like glamorous, fun, ideal career path. And then you kind of like said you didn't really feel that like fulfilled from it anymore. Like it wasn't calling you as much. So I guess I'm curious, like what sparked that transition from travel blogger and photography to now coaching people on self-love? Like what made you realize like this is the right path for me? Yeah, I think it kind of it just unfolded over time. I think as I got to know myself better and better Mm -hmm. because part of the story, you know, the personal side of the story, what I was going through at the time um, while I was kind of making all these different transitions was, you know, I was having kind of my own personal like spiritual awakening and I was starting to learn to love myself. And that, it just made me realize that I, um, I think I just wanted to do something more meaningful. Not that, you can't have a meaningful career as a travel blogger or photographer, but um, having gone through the experience of learning how to heal myself emotionally and learn how to love myself, like that kind of just seemed like the most important thing that I could offer the world in terms of my skills and abilities. So yeah, I just wanted to pursue something that used my, my long held desire to help other people. I'm not going to lie. Like I really relate to like what you're describing because I've just, have felt that pull to like, I need a more meaningful career path. And it almost doesn't feel like photography is really the right thing for me anymore either. Mm -hmm. And I was like, again, pulled to healing, I think in a different, different healing modalities than what you're um, doing. But I still like, I love the mind. I love nutrition. I love all that. And I'm still trying to figure out like what it is exactly. Like you have your course created. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm going to like teach on or even Mm -hmm. like what I need to continue learning about. 
but there is like this weird it's like this fear of it's just like because it's so unclear it's like I can feel it in my heart like what it is that I need to do but it feels Mm -hmm. very unclear the path forward so it makes it so scary to pursue it when you're like I don't know anyone else who's kind of doing this and like is this a viable path and Mm -hmm. your, your current business is already like proven to be like bring in clients and stuff you're like why would I leave this when this is like what I'm used to and it's like I've taken so much time to build it up right so it's like I find just like transitioning in general as an entrepreneur has been like a theme around a lot of people I know lately so I find it really interesting to hear someone else who's also going through that I guess just getting the courage to do it when it's out of the box yeah yeah I would say like it's been a process of almost like 50 50 doing the internal work and doing the action steps to make it happen. Cause like, if you just do the action steps, then you might, you know, what if you're not in alignment? What if you're kind of going in a direction that's not really what you want? So you do have to do the inner work at the same time to like, like I was saying before, I think before we started the um, recording, but like you have to really know yourself really well before you can like be, confident that you're making the right decisions because you could like and I talk to my clients about this all the time but like we get other people's opinions in our heads and we listen to what they want and we think maybe because someone else wants something that's what we should want too Mm -hmm. so we really have to like shut out all that external noise and really like figure out what our heart's really trying to tell us it's Mm -hmm. such an important part of the process when you're trying to transition into a new line of work Mm -hmm. and I do find something that's nice for both of us because we're both photographers is like even though we're like transitioning it's like we have such good foundational skills for building whatever brand or business we want because it's like we already know that and like I love your Instagram feed I love your photos and like right thank you so yeah you have such a strong skill set and you like have such like you give such good value in what you write I'm like wow yeah she's really knowledgeable about this topic so thank you (laughs) um so I'm curious like in your like healing journey was there a rock bottom moment you experienced that really triggered your spiritual awakening and like discovering this whole healing process that you embarked on Yes. Yes, there was. (laughs) You're like, oh yeah, that thing. (laughs) Rock bottoms. (laughs) Yeah. I would say I hit rock bottom um, pretty much right around New Year's of 2015. So like 2014, 2015, like that transition was my lowest point, I would say, because I was like, Ah, gosh, I had let my emotional stuff sit for so long that it was, I think we were just talking about this too. It was starting to kind of bubble up out of me in all these really destructive ways. And I was like, I was using like recreational drugs. I was drinking way too much and like to the point of blacking out kind of a thing, like living a very unhealthy lifestyle. Um, not really taking myself that seriously, like with my, with my business. Cause at that time I was kind of just starting to build up my blog as a business, but like, I didn't believe in myself at all. Um, and I just like made a series of decisions in a really short period of time that made me feel so shitty about myself that I was like, okay, something's got to fucking change right now because I can't go on like this. Mm -hmm. Um, so then, you know, several months later, maybe like five months later, I had another big epiphany when someone just asked me really simply, like, do you like who you are? And I was like, no, (laughs) you know, the answer was so 
immediate. I was like, no, I don't like who I am. I'm not making good decisions. I'm not like living up to my potential. Um, this is not the life that I wanted to be living. So that was another big aha moment. And then, you know, even a year after that, I had another, like I had my actual spiritual awakening. So it was really, yeah, like I said, kind of just like a series of big moments that really shifted things in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I also have a question too, like, do you ever feel weird talking about spirituality, like in your content at all? Like, I'm just curious. Cause for me, it was like a big, like, I just felt so weird talking about it, even though I was going through all this stuff in my personal life, you know, uh-huh. like to bring it into my brand. Yeah. I had feelings of insecurity for sure. When I first started talking about my spiritual beliefs, because, uh, what I talk about in my private life and my personal life goes so much deeper than anything I've been able to share on social media yet. I think it's been a, a real slow process of kind of coming out of the spiritual closet for me, but yeah. I know how important it is to like live authentically and speak your truth on social media. So I'm just, I'm really trying and I've, I've been getting like signs from my guides in the universe and all that to like be more of my authentic self. Mm-hmm. with my online audience. So I'm really trying to not hold back at this point. But yeah, it, it wasn't easy in the beginning because you've got all these people who know you as something completely differently and you don't know what their beliefs are. And you know, there's still kind of a lot of judgment around a lot of this spiritual stuff. You know, people are always throwing around the term woo-woo and mm-hmm. calling stuff. Like I've, <laughs> I've had people say, um, talk about things that, that I believe in as like junk science. And, and you know, mm-hmm. so I just know there's a lot of that attitude around the things I talk about. And mm-hmm. I just I had, had I, I was just gonna say, I had a friend that said, like, when I told her, I was like into this, I'm gonna like share more about it on like the content I created. She's like, oh yeah, like spirituality, that's like trendy right now, right? And I was like, oh man, <laughs> like, is that what this is like a trend that I'm like following? I'm like, no, this just is like a big part of my life and who I am now. So it's hard to not share it when it's so important and s- such a big thing. Yeah. Yeah, you really just have to recognize that people who are going to get it are going to get it. And the people who aren't ready to join you on that journey are, are not a part of your tribe right now. And it's also important to like learn how to let comments roll off your back, you know. I think it showed me that I, I hadn't accepted that part of myself yet because mm. it bothered me so much when she said that. Because I think if I was like didn't care at all and was fully like, accepting that spirituality was part of me and part of like where I wanted to like take my brand and my business then I've been like yeah whatever I just don't care but I was like (gasps) like actually offended by it that I was like oh (laughs) really I have some work to do around this (laughs) yes well it's so good that you recognize that in yourself yeah I've like I really adopted that habit in the past maybe like six months to a year I've Anytime something really bothers me, I'm like, oh, that is like almost like a shadow aspect of myself that I haven't accepted. Totally. Instead of like getting really mad at the person, like I am in the moment, but then I think back on reflect on it and I'm like, and it actually is very helpful because it starts to show me the parts that I need to start accepting and loving more about myself and where I just have to grow more. So Mm -hmm. yeah, actually tool. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, I've been hearing a lot lately about um, kind of the topic of radical personal responsibility when mm-hmm. when it comes to your healing. And uh, I believe so wholeheartedly in that because that was one of the big aha moments I had several years ago was that like all the problems that were going on in my life at the time 
they were all my fucking fault. They were, they were all a result, like a direct result of the choices that I had made. And, you know, it goes so much farther than like what we are used to accepting as our own responsibility, like the kind of people you attract into your life and the situations you get yourself into. And, you know, the way people treat you, all of that is a reflection of what's going on inside of you. So true. Like literally everything comes back to you. Yep. Oh, I love that so much because I think those are things people can just be like, well, that person hurt me and that boss is annoying to me. And like, this is all these outside reasons or like the way my family raised me is why I'm like messed up or whatever. But it just like is mirrors showing you where you need to heal and like what you're allowing. Like that's been a big lesson for me this year is like setting boundaries, mm-hmm. <laughs> learning yeah. when to remove myself from certain situations and from certain people. And Exactly. A lot more discerning with where my energy goes. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And just like recognizing that your triggers are there to, to help you and to show you what you need to work on. And mm-hmm. um, I, that's something I see happening a lot. It's like, okay, I hope this isn't too controversial of a thing to say, but no, say it. <laughs> I, um, people are so sensitive about their triggers and I just really wish that more people would recognize that your triggers are a good thing and we shouldn't be going through life trying to avoid our triggers or what's so much worse to me is like trying to dictate how other people live their lives so that we we're not triggered by them. Like trying to tell somebody else like what not to say or how not to act so that I don't get triggered is like the exact opposite of personal responsibility. That is like, like a hundred percent like victim mentality. Mm-hmm. And I don't subscribe to that. Like <laughs> that's can't, really like, good. A really good insight. Yeah. You, I just, you can't expect like 7 billion people in the world to dance around your triggers when, how is anyone even supposed to know what's going to trigger you? Like mm-hmm. anything could be an emotional trigger for something you've experienced in the past. And it's just so unreasonable to expect everybody else to like dance around my emotional wounds that I'm refusing to heal. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how I, that's how I feel about that. <laughs> I love it. Okay. This is a question I have. Cause I feel like there's like a fine, like at least for my situ, like my life, I find that certain situations I'll, I'll recognize that they trigger me and I can like be aware, have that, I have a certain amount of awareness for that. But then sometimes I'm like, am I not communicating my like feelings well enough or my emotions or my needs or whatever or setting boundaries clear enough or like am I letting certain people in my life that I really should be not letting in my life it's almost this weird it's like I don't know which one it is sometimes it's like someone Mm. will say something and I'm like should I just like not be friends with this person because we're just not on the same page and you know what I mean or is it like do I need to tell them when you say that it makes me feel like this? Or do I just need to not say anything, go home, do the inner work and like not be bothered by that anymore? You know what I mean? Like it's actually very confusing. I'm like, what, what is it? I'm like, can someone just tell me because I don't know which A, B or C is it that I'm supposed to do, but I'm like very willing to do whatever it is. It's just really hard to figure out which is the right step. Sure. Yeah. That's just me. That's like, thinks that I don't know. (laughs) No, I think, um, I mean, I feel like you're on like the right track what, just by saying that, doing, the, doing the self-reflecting to, yeah. to figure it out. Like 
when I feel like that's a step people, most people don't even get to is like, they feel triggered, but they don't know what to do about it. So they kind of just stuff it back down inside. Whereas like what you're trying to do is at least take it and like investigate and figure out how can I make a, make this better. And like, I do think there are probably certain situations that you could walk away from if it's a matter of the person like not respecting you or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But if it's maybe like less intentional, like, you know, coming, not coming from a a place of malice or something, then maybe it is work that you can do yourself and kind of Mm -hmm. an issue that you can clear on your own without like having to work through anything relationally with this other person. But then again, maybe it is just a matter of setting boundaries or asking to be Mm-hmm. spoken to in a different way or whatever. Like there are so many different ways it could go, but yeah, I guess it's just a matter of figuring out <laughs> with yourself what's yeah. going to feel the best. It's confusing, right? I'm like, that was a very intense question, <laughs> but that's like literally me anytime something bothers me. Cause I'm like, okay, I'm aware that this is bothering me, but then it's like, what is the next right step? And sometimes it's a combination of all of it. <laughs> yeah. I'll do all those steps or like, right. It is like being more anyways. I won't get more into that, but that is my own current situation. (laughs) Yeah, no, it is tough. It is tough. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm curious, like when you realized that you weren't, you didn't really like, like yourself um, and like, what, how did you realize like the missing aspect to like really just being happy and fulfilled was this like self-love piece? I'm just, I'm guessing I'm just curious because I feel like self-love means like a different thing to so many people and I know you coach on it. So I don't know. I'm just curious, like how you realize, like, that's what I need to cultivate more of and how you went about doing that. Yeah, it took a, a minute, you know, there was definitely a lag time between understanding that I needed to take personal responsibility and then understanding the self-love piece to the puzzle. Um, I would say there was maybe even like a full year that passed after, um, you know, between those two moments. And I think the self-love just kind of came from, well, first of all, I started making better choices for myself Mm -hmm. and that just started to feel really good. And then, um, I started reading books. I started reading self-help books Mm -hmm. and I think that was probably where I finally kind of got introduced to the, to the idea of, taking care of myself and making sure that I was, you know, nourished in all these different ways. And there was a book. The first book I read was like a 99 cent, like ebook I bought on Amazon called choose yourself by James Altucher. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was maybe, like I said, kind of my first introduction to what self-love even was. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, then I started, I really like ramped things up that summer and I started doing more yoga Um, just making really intentional decisions about my work life and um, my business. And so, yeah, things started changing from there. Um, It was just, I guess, a matter of seeking out knowledge and trying to find things that would make me feel better, (laughs) Mm. you know, and help me make more aligned choices. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, Something I found personally too with like self-love and it's a concept I've only been more recently introduced to is like, um, is like making, like when you said the decision piece, this is what reminded me of it. But it's like, anytime I'm faced with a decision, I think of like, what is like a high self-worth way I can approach this or what's like the low self-worth version of this mm. decision, you know? So it's mm. like trying to make approach every decision or every situation in life from like a place of high self-worth. And to me, that's almost like 
when I do that, it's like showing myself, like I love and respect myself. Mm. And I don't know. That's just my, my new I love that. Like, it, it is. It's kind of fun, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> situation. I'm like, what is the like best way for me to approach this? That like, is just showing myself that I actually yeah, care about myself. Yeah. Kind of just stopping to ask yourself, like, how would my higher self handle this situation? <gasps> or like, I love that. Too. That's such a good way. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Make decisions from a place of love not fear. Yeah. yeah I love that. Mm-hmm. So, um, like with your whole journey of healing, which I know is like an ongoing thing, yeah. what so far has been the biggest limiting belief that you held on to that you needed to clear? Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> I just love this topic. <laughs> There's so many, but um, I do think one that one of the wounds I've been carrying around, and I think so many other people in general, like not, not just women, not just men. I think everybody has this, uh, cause I think, I feel like this is just one of the core wounds most of us have, but it's unworthiness, you know, just, just that like blanket, like you're not good enough for the things that you want in life. Like that's a big motherfucking thing to overcome, you know? Yes. (laughs) I talked about this in another podcast, but I feel like that's been like an ongoing reoccurring theme for me is just feeling unworthy. But I like that you're saying it's like a blanket issue. Like a lot of people experience that. I mean, yeah. And it it, blanket because it touches like every part of your life. Like you can feel unworthy to have a good relationship. You can feel unworthy to like have a, a lot of money. You can feel unworthy to have like the career you want to yeah. do anything, you know, like, um, and of course there are more specific things I feel unworthy of. Like one of my um, definite wounds that I've discovered this year was kind of feeling un- unworthy of love specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that I, I now know that that was just a pattern that I was kind of playing out as a result of my relationship with my father and kind of like not being able to get as much of his love as Mm -hmm. I, as I wanted and needed, you Mm -hmm. know, so I didn't feel worthy of love. That's kind of been an ongoing thing, but yeah, unworthiness in general, like you're not good enough. Like it touches every part of your life and you really, that's just, that's the first thing I always tell people to look at if they've got limiting beliefs. It's like, do you feel worthy of the thing that you're trying to get? Because if not, you're not going to get it. That's so so true. Start there, you know? Mm -hmm. What did you do to kind of like start clearing that slash like, what do you believe now around worthiness? Well, I believe now, um, and like this is, you know, I say believe, I kind of I know it in my heart. I know that we're all born worthy. I, I know and I trust and I believe that we are born um, as perfect beings, you know, wrapped in love and light. Like we are love beings. I believe that. Um, but to get to a point where like you just, you've cleared your subconscious enough to let that belief actually like shine through. Like it's been an ongoing process and I've tried a bunch of different things. Do you want, you want me to tell you like everything I've tried? Or just kind of like many things you want to share. I'm curious personally, so share yeah. it all if you if you like it. <laughs> um, yeah, let's see. Um, well, I first really started using like mantras and affirmations um, maybe a year or so ago, and I do think that's been a really important part of helping me reprogram my mind. Mm-hmm. Because once you identify the limiting belief, and then you're kind of moving through your day, and it pops into your head, you can stop and 
interrupt that cycle of, of thinking and be like, no, this is actually what I believe. And then you say your mantra, your affirmation, and you're, you're building new neural pathways, you know, you're changing the structure of the brain and you're like stopping the momentum of that negative thought pattern. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, so yeah, just like having an affirmation or something that you can use to interrupt your thoughts when they start going in a, an unhealthy direction has mm-hmm. been really powerful. And then of course, more recently, and we've already talked about this, but like tapping is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Tapping, I will recommend tapping to everyone forever and ever because it has in such a short amount of time changed my life so drastically. Mm-hmm. I think as far as like releasing limiting beliefs, that's by far the most effective thing I've personally found. Mm-hmm. I love this. Okay. There's like so many things I want to like elaborate on that you just said, <laughs> you know, and you're just like saying something and you're like, oh my God, there's like three different like topics now I want to like expand on from this, but yeah, let's do it. Okay. Oh, okay. I love it. You're so down. <laughs> well, cause when you're saying the like the worthy thing and like how you feel like we're all, we're all born worthy. So I actually have felt this for, like I said, it's been a reoccurring thing. So I actually went to this like event and then we got to ask questions to the facilitator and it was someone who I like really admired and like just really respect how they built their business and all this stuff and their whole life they've built. So I remember when my question, when I got asked a question, I was like, I didn't prepare one ahead of time. The one that came to me was, how do you feel worthy of everything you've achieved in life? Cause I think for me it was, I had very similar goals to you, but I clearly just feel like not very deserving of it. And that's, part of what's holding me back, I'm sure among other things, but Mm. I'm guessing that's not an issue for you. And I remember their answer, like I won't be able to say it word for word, but the general sense that I got was like, they just like almost didn't even see worthy or unworthy as like a word. They were just like, there's like no such thing as being worthy or unworthy. You just like Mm. everyone just has equal opportunity. It just depends if you go for it or not. Like, what are you going to do with your time? How are you going to spend your life? Are you going to sit on the couch and think about it? Or are you going to go out there and do it? That's what's mm-hmm. going to differentiate it. And I was just like, whoa, okay. So you don't even like almost register it as a feeling. And that was yeah. a shift for me at least. Cause I was just like, okay, cool. There is no such thing as anyone who's worthy of it or not. There's just the people that go after what they want and those who don't. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. So it's more just like a matter of will, a matter of like, what are you willing to do for your for your life to make it what you want yeah Yeah. and I guess this they didn't have that as a block but that helped me at least like see it as okay this is just something I can just stop thinking and feeling and giving energy like it could just not exist being unworthy yeah (laughs) it was kind of an abstract way of thinking about it but I was like okay interesting it is a little abstract but it kind of reminds me of when people say like when when they're talking about manifestation for example and they say just decide like just decide that it's yours. Like you could do the same thing with worthiness. Just decide that you're worthy. Yeah. Just decide and have that be your new truth. You know? I love it. Oh, that's so good. Okay. Um, so another thing that I wanted to touch on, mm-hmm. kind of similar to limiting beliefs, but I'm curious. I'm just like digging into all of your baggage. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what childhood memories or traumas like did you kind of like dig up or unroot in the past like year or so that you found were like really affecting how you live today? (laughs) Oh, good question. Yeah. Cause there's been so many, Mm -hmm. um, one interesting memory that came back to me, actually, can I, I have two stories I'll share. Okay. Good. So the first, (laughs) I'm so down. Uh, so the first one was 
a birthday party. So I, um, my birthday was back in May and I kind of came to the realization that I had never really been a big birthday person. I was kind of like, I wonder why, like, I wonder what happened to me. Like, I definitely don't, um, feel comfortable like making a big deal out of my birthday or like having a bunch of people come around and celebrate me. So it just seemed like this thing. I was like, what's this emotional thing that's got me like tripped up about birthdays. Mm -hmm. And I had a memory come back to me of a birthday party from when I was little, one of the only birthday parties I can really remember where I had a bunch of friends over and we did the whole birthday thing, you know, like there was a pinata and the whole, the whole nine yards. Um, and I remember I just had a flash of this memory come back to me where um, I got upset, I think, because I, I wasn't getting enough attention from my dad or something. And it, you know, it was like, it was my birthday, but I wasn't getting the attention I wanted. And I probably didn't get it, the attention I wanted from him in general anyway, but like that day it felt particularly personal because he was like paying attention to my friends. And so I had, a, I had a little tantrum at that birthday party and I like, walked in like walked away like went inside the house kind of like having a little moment mm -hmm. and I think I did it kind of as a way of like I think that was my way of getting his attention back of like storming off was like my way of pay attention to me like otherwise I'm leaving kind of thing yeah. and I, I started to recognize that not only did that kind of set the tone for every birthday I had after that like I really didn't I really haven't enjoyed many birthdays in my life and I think maybe that was kind of a pattern that started like way back then. Mm -hmm. um, and I also started to recognize that um, walking away, like during a conflict, for example, in like my relationships was one of my tactics to like get some, you know, get my partner to like care more, or, like show more attention or follow me or whatever. Um, so that was a big, <laughs> big wake up call. Like, wow, I've been using this as like, a way to get people's like I'm basically throwing a tantrum as an adult to like get the attention that I'm seeking so that's got to stop um <laughs> how do you handle it differently now is there like a different way you approach it now that you're like aware this is something that you like do and repeat I well I haven't been in a relationship since coming to this realization mm -hmm. um so I I'm haven't sure had a chance conflict way better <laughs> Yes, I, um, I definitely do handle conflict better. Yeah. Uh, and even in my like non-romantic relationships, I am able to kind of like remain much more calm and cool headed during confrontations. And like, it's the kind of thing where when I'm in a tense, like confrontation with somebody, my heart starts pounding out of my chest. I just completely lose my shit. And this still happens to me, but I, at least I'm at the point now where I won't yell back or I won't like let the feelings bubbling up inside of me like take over if that makes sense mm -hmm. I really have never liked confrontation um I would always kind of like get really worked up and defensive and I can still feel that like the beginning of that process happening but I can remain calm now and like not raise my voice not lose my shit so I've I can see the progress that I've made for sure mm-hmm I can relate to you on so many different things, <laughs> like <laughs> and stuff. Like I don't like celebrating birthdays either. <laughs> yeah, what happened to you? I know. Have you, have you figured it out? Well, when you said that, I was like, oh man, <laughs> I haven't dug back through like my birthdays to figure it out because I always used to have parties and stuff, and then like I don't know, <laughs> I'm just like not a big birthday celebrator now. Like I do mm. stuff, but I'm 
like this year I celebrated alone in Bali. Like I was like, bye everyone, I'm going to Bali. Like I don't want to be around anyone. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I've had birthdays like that. <laughs> and that was honestly a great birthday. And I don't know, I have to like do some digging, but I'm kind of, but I like want to be more like enjoy it more. And yeah. Yeah. I think I have this overall block around like not feeling like supported by people and mm. not feeling like safe to be my full self and like be loved like it's mm. hard for me to let people in I find even though I can mm-hmm. have like I have certain relationships in my life where it's like very deep and like we care so much for each other and it's and then I feel like if it's not that then it's like really hard for me to like let people in mm. like I'm, I'm one of those people like when you're saying the conflict like if I feel any sort of conflict or someone like bothers me or does something or whatever, I'm very quick to be like gone. Like I'm not talking to you. Like I don't want you in my life. Like I don't want this negative energy and I don't want to deal with it. Like I don't even want to have a conversation. I just want it out. I'm like, peace. So I'm quick to like, in a, like a romantic relationship, just not want to talk. And like, just sometimes I will want to end it. And I've had to like recognize that and be like, okay, it's okay to like work through it. You can like talk mm-hmm. things out it doesn't have to be a deal breaker every time right but yeah it's, it's almost easier now with a partner than it is even like friends like with friends it's hard because I don't know it's just like not something you bring up often like who brings up this hurt me or like we need <laughs> like it's like friends. like what are you talking about like this is not something we're gonna work through so it's oh, almost that's so easier. funny yeah <laughs> I've I've been working on working through stuff with my with friends lately like not just ditching a relationship when it gets challenging or when things go a little funky but like actually yeah kind of giving it the same attention you would a rom- romantic relationship and coming back around to him and be like let's talk about this like because mm-hmm. um i want to be in conscious relationships where we can yeah. have open communication and we can talk about our feelings and i i want that in my romantic relationships but i want it with my friends too mm-hmm. i love that i i just started being like okay jess if this is someone you really want to keep around, like you need to just like talk it out and like yeah. see what's going on and not be a fight, just be a conversation. Yeah. So could it be, <laughs> could it be a fear of speaking your truth? Like with, yeah. with, with these people? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's another block definitely of mine. Speaking any sort of truth, setting boundaries, everything related to my whole throat chakra. The chakra <laughs> is definitely super blocked. Been working on it. Been aware that it's blocked. <laughs> yes, <laughs> my issues are. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're doing this podcast. You're getting giving it lots of exercise, right? Talking these things like out. Saying, just like here's all of my stuff, <laughs> all of my fears, all of my baggage. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's got to come out sometime. I think that's probably why I like doing the podcast in general. Is like it's a chance just to like talk openly with people who I like connect with and can relate mm-hmm. to. And with every person, something different comes up. So it's it's cool. I'm going to quickly interrupt this episode because do you guys love free things? I have a couple different free resources for you. I have a brand questionnaire. As you know, I'm a photographer for wellness brands and I've worked with brands in many different industries as well. And I have a questionnaire. It's 19 different questions to help you really clarify your brand direction. Um, That includes your brand tone, your style, who is in your industry, um, who are you inspired by, who's your target audience, it goes pretty in depth. So that is the first step I always use when I work with a client to figure out what we're gonna do for their photo shoot. 
And yeah, you can actually download that for free. Um, the link will be in the description box for this episode. You know where that thing is. And I have another free resource because maybe you aren't really into branding. You don't have a business. It's not your thing. Something else that I'm really passionate about is, of course, health and wellness and just feeling really good, feeling really high vibe. So I actually composed this checklist and it's 50 different ways to raise your vibration. It's a bunch of different tips really. So yeah, you can again download that for free in the description box below. And yeah, it's really helpful just that way you can kind of go through the list, print it out, put it on your bulletin board or by your bed or something and do something different each day to really just raise your vibration and feel your best. So yes, I just wanted to share those with you because they're both really great resources and they're things that I use all the time and I found them to be very helpful with my just living really balanced lifestyle and also creating a brand that I absolutely love. All right, now we're going to get back into this episode. So I'm curious like what the different practices that you implemented to heal yourself like physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Because I know it's like all different levels. So Mm -hmm. tell me about that. (laughs) Okay. I would say it probably started with the physical healing because that was kind of the level of consciousness I was at at the time. Um, And so, like I said, it started with rediscovering yoga. Yoga has been such a healing tool for me. And I say yoga is physical, but it's definitely everything else too. It's, it's emotional, it's spiritual. Um, I didn't recognize it as that in the beginning. So it was more kind of just for like my physical health. And I decided, you know, to like take better care of myself. I stopped partying so much. I stopped drinking wine, all that stuff. Like I really started just treating my body with more respect, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I, ha- I do also have a history of, you know, disordered eating, um, body dysmorphia, all that stuff. So I really have had a pretty tumultuous relationship with my body for most of my life. So mm-hmm. it just felt good to start with just like really taking care of myself on a physical level. Mm-hmm. And then I would say like the, so yeah, yoga was a big tool for that. And you eat plant-based too, right? I do. Yeah. Uh, that started after my spiritual awakening. So, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mine too, I, actually not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. About six months later. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. So like after I had started taking care of better care of myself physically, then I had this spiritual awakening and then I really got into like all this self-help stuff, but it was more with like a spiritual twist now. So I was mm-hmm. reading like books about yoga, books about energy work and healing and stuff like that. And then finally I started working kind of on like my emotional health by going to therapy for the first time. That's good. So there was like this several step process. And so, yeah, in just like what, what's it now? Two years ago, just about two years ago, I went to therapy for the first time. And that was a really big step for me in the right direction. I just kind of, I, I do regret not recognizing my need for healing much, much sooner. Mm-hmm. but you know, it is what it is at this point. And I, I'm grateful that I came around to it when I did, but I do think for like anybody who's thought about going to therapy and feels like they have some healing work to do, like, don't wait, just do it. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like that was spoken to me <laughs> right now. I'm like considering working with this like coach who's honestly, it feels like she's a therapist. 
yeah. like the vibe I get. And I'm like, mm-hmm. mm, hesitant, like maybe. <laughs> like, I feel like I need it, but I'm also like, do I? Anyways, continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So you asked about the tools, right? Also, so I wanted to, about the spiritual healing too, like what things helped you or just even reconnecting to that side. Okay. Well, if you want me to talk about my, my spiritual awakening a little bit, I can. (laughs) Um, Okay. So it's so funny. You said this just a second ago, but it happened right after or right around my birthday three years ago. So I was 29 and I was by myself in Tulum, Mexico, (laughs) celebrating my birthday by myself. (laughs) That's so funny. And um, yeah, we both did that too. Well, I was in Bali celebrating my yeah. 26th birthday by myself. It's great. I love, I love solo birthdays, but um, yeah. So this whole thing unfolded where I ended up going to um, what he was referred to as a medicinal healing ceremony. So it was a ceremony with plant medicine and was it was ayahuasca? something, it wasn't ayahuasca. Okay. <clears throat> Just curious. I had, like, whoa, is that where we're going here? Like totally <laughs> down to hear that story, but continue. Okay. No, I I would still actually really like to do an ayahuasca ceremony at some point. Yeah, so through my travels in South America, I heard about ayahuasca over and over again. And I think it scared me a little bit too much in the beginning. And I remember someone telling me, if you you think you're not ready for an ayahuasca experience, then you're not ready and just like, Mm -hmm. don't do it, you know? Yeah. So that put me off to it for a long time. But then I finally came to a point where I was like, you know what? I really would like to do that. I think I'm, I'm ready to have that experience now. Um, unfortunately I had already left South America at that point. So anyway, when I was presented with this opportunity in Mexico, I was like already, you know, ready and willing at that point to try something like that. And I think it was because I just realized at that point, I knew I had a bunch of healing work to do, especially around my, my father. Cause this is something I haven't mentioned yet, but he, my dad passed away when I was 16. Um, and so that was kind of what set off this, you know, domino effect of just like negative emotional things in my life and those so all these things that had compounded over the years I was like I really need to deal with this now because it's been like 13 years since my dad died and I haven't done the healing work like this Mm -hmm. is something has to change you know Mm -hmm. so so I went into this medicinal healing ceremony kind of with that at the forefront of my mind like I'm ready to do some healing now but I I, um, couldn't have predicted what actually happened for me during that experience so the medicine that we had that day was called tepescoite mm-hmm. and you smoke it out of a out of a pipe and it's it doesn't last for too long um it's not like ayahuasca where you're in it for you know several hours at a time it's like you have this experience for maybe 20 minutes and then you come back to reality and then you sometimes you do it again sometimes you do it a third time some people just do it once just a question does um, it feel like 20 minutes or does it feel longer when you're in it you don't really have a sense of time while while it's happening yeah for all i know it it might as it might have been an hour i don't know <laughs> but yeah um i almost wished it had lasted longer because it was a really enjoyable experience it wasn't but, like scary or anything no no not not remotely and so i do think it kind of differs from ayahuasca in that sense that well although that's just my experience i i guess i can't really say what it would be like for other people so mm-hmm. i'll just leave it at that like it, mm-hmm. I don't think it's the same as ayahuasca, but some people might have a completely different experience than me. So True. anyway, um, what I gained from that experience was basically the understanding that every, everything in the universe is connected. Mm-hmm. That was like my big understanding that everything is God and mm-hmm. that we live in this 
incomprehensible existence where, you know, like we're only experiencing such a microscopic fraction mm -hmm. of what is actually going on. <laughs> mm -hmm. It just blew my mind wide open. I didn't heal from my, from my wounds or anything. I, I actually had a really beautiful experience and I cried afterward and I had just like so many revelations that night about like how the world worked and everything just seemed to make sense. And I knew that we were all one and we were all connected and none of that had anything to do with my dad or the healing that I thought I was going to get, but it did eventually lead me to seeking more healing mm -hmm. down the road. And it also, that was what made me become a vegetarian two weeks later when I got home from that trip, I stopped eating meat for good. And I'm like, I'm not totally vegan, but I could easily go that way at this point. That sounds exactly how I am. I'm like, I'd say like 80, 90% plant-based. <laughs> mm -hmm. The rare occasion I'll have meat or dairy or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was this plant medicine experience that was really like the big, the start to my spiritual healing, I think. Mm. And then it, and then after that, like I, I said, I went to therapy, but the first kind of therapy I tried wasn't really, didn't really resonate with me. So eventually I did find someone who was more like a spiritual life coach. And mm -hmm. that, that really resonated with me because it, she was able to meet me where I was from a spiritual standpoint, which was really important to me at that point. So, yeah. That is so cool. I feel like that's exactly kind of like what I'm considering. It's not a traditional therapist. So yeah. it's so interesting that you've been down that journey. Mm -hmm. mm, that's such a cool experience too, to hear. Just it like, changed my life in like pretty much every conceivable way. <laughs> mm, wow. So yeah. I know you kind of mentioned this in like, well, because I was looking through your website and through your course, Elevate, which we'll talk more about in a moment. But I'm curious, like, what does it mean to heal your inner child? Because I hear this being talked a lot about on the internet. And I feel like I've, I've done some of this because I think a coach kind of walked me through it. <laughs> and it was like going through reliving childhood memories and like reparenting myself. It was very interesting. But I'm just mm -hmm. curious, I guess, like, because um, I know you teach this and you um, talk mm -hmm. more about it. Like, so what, what is that? And like, how does one do that? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so to me, inner child healing is kind of about like reconnecting with that, that childlike essence. Cause it's still within us, right? Like mm -hmm. all the spiritual teachers are always saying all time is now. Yep. So it's kind of like, we are still that inner child aspect. Mm -hmm. And if that inner child is carrying around all this hurt and pain, then that's going to manifest in our lives as adults. So what I like to do, there's a couple, um, a couple things that I do pretty regularly mm -hmm. to just like reconnect with my inner child. And the first one is just like understanding what your inner child really loved to do, because mm -hmm. kind of like what I was saying before, I think as, as children, we are like the closest thing to our, our soul's purest expression when we're first born and before, you know, we start accumulating the ego and all of our like experiences in life. As children, we are so pure and we are like vibrating, you know, at our soul's purest vibration. I love and it. so I feel like that's kind of the work with inner child healing is kind of returning back to that pure soul expression. So whatever you liked to do as a child, mm -hmm. I like to try to incorporate more of that into my daily life as an adult. And it's kind of just like all the things you're passionate about, you know, like as a child, did you love being out in nature? Did you love to play sports? Did you love to play with dolls? Did you love to take pictures? Like whatever it was, just see if you can add more of that into your life. Cause that's, what's going to bring you joy. And that's, what's going to like really start to like feel your heart chakra and like fill you up from the inside. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then another practice that I really like to do for inner child healing is doing a visualization while you're meditating and picture your inner child and kind of form a relationship with your inner child. So basically like see yourself as you were as a child. Maybe you have like a picture of yourself as a child that you can bring up to remind you or whatever. And then just kind of like spend time with your inner child aspect, you know, like pick her up, hold her, like stroke her hair, tell her the things that you think she needed to hear and didn't mm -hmm. in childhood. Things like, you know, you are loved unconditionally. Um, what that person said to you didn't really mean that, you know, like the things that happened to you weren't your fault. You are, you are safe. You know, all these things that maybe you didn't hear from an adult or an authority figure when you were younger that maybe you really needed to hear. Those are a couple of my favorite ways to kind of work with and heal the inner child aspect. I love it because it sounds so like nurturing. It's so like mm. calm and sweet and like they're like motherly feminine energy approach of healing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for someone who wants to start their healing journey, who hasn't like done, done much <laughs> besides mm -hmm. maybe listen to this podcast, <laughs> like what step do you recommend they start with? When it comes to healing, let's see. Mm -hmm. um, I do think a really important early step is just getting to know yourself, getting to know your thoughts, like what's actually going on in there. <laughs> yeah. um, and two of the best practices that I've found to kind of facilitate that process are meditation and journaling, especially when you yeah. do them together. So maybe sitting in meditation for like five minutes at a time, because when you're just getting started with meditation, I can, I understand that it can be challenging or uncomfortable to sit in meditation for that long, but if you can just do five minutes and then go to your journal afterward and sit down and kind of just like start writing down like what came up for you during that time. Like what was hard about it? If it was uncomfortable, why was it uncomfortable? You know, and then as you start to learn how to kind of ask yourself those questions, then the journaling process is going to reveal so much about what's going on inside of you. It's just going to start bubbling up and out and it's going to come much easier and much easier the more you do it. And then from there, you can decide what additional steps might need to be taken. Like if you do need to go see an, a therapist and talk things through, or um, if there are other healing modalities you want to pursue, you know. Mm -hmm. I know a good another step for them as well <laughs> to take your course. Yes. <laughs> I know what she's going to say. But yeah, tell us about your course because it's like encompasses like so many different things. Yes, it really does. And I, it's because I wanted it to be really like a holistic resource for emotional, physical, mental, spiritual healing. Mm -hmm. So it gives you, it's called Elevate and it is a self-study program with five core video modules. And it starts with building the foundation of healing, which for me is the daily practice. So we cultivate new habits. We start to learn how to give ourselves that dedicated bit of time every day to like show ourselves love, fill ourselves up. So in the beginning, that very first module is really all about getting started and knowing how to take care of yourself and doing, you know, giving you a blueprint for how to take better care of yourself just on the day to day. Um, and then each of the modules that follow builds on that, but gives you practices to do in a specific area. So module two is all about inner child healing. So you're going to incorporate into your daily practice different, you know, journaling prompts for healing your inner child, or I have a guided meditation um, for healing the inner child. And so every, like I said, every module builds on the daily practice. So after inner child healing, we work on connecting more deeply with our intuition, you know, so that we can make 
more aligned decisions so that we can know like what our body's trying to tell us and we can really like take the healing that much further when we're connected to our higher guidance. Um, and then module four is kind of about food. Cause like I said, that's something I have a lot of experience with. Um, so just helping people love the skin they're in. Uh, and then the last one is about kind of repairing your relationship with money and learning how to manifest. Like I said, it's really just kind of coming at self care from all the different, all these different angles so that nothing really gets left out and you can level up kind of in every different area of your life. Mm -hmm. I love it. I was like looking Thank through you. the course modules and I was like, this is stuff everybody needs to know, but like no one teaches this stuff in school. Like parents don't teach you this stuff. Like um, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I really you. didn't talk much about manifestation, but I am curious, like what's been like your favorite manifestation that you've, that's happened in your life? <laughs> um, there have been a few big ones over the last couple of years. Uh, like I definitely manifested my last relationship and oh. I know that, you know, we're not together anymore, but it was such a beautiful relationship and it came like right at the moment that I decided, like I, I basically had been single for the majority of my life or in really short, like relationships that didn't really go anywhere. Cause like I said, I was just playing out this pattern of chasing emotionally unavailable people. And then a couple of years ago, before I met my ex, I had just reached this point where I was like, you know what? I'm over this. Like I'm not available for anything other than like a really deep, meaningful relationship. And I actually said to a friend, I was, we were at like a Thanksgiving celebration and I said to my friend, or no, she said to me, you're ready to find your person, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, I'm ready to find my person. And then not even two weeks later, I met my partner and um, we even ended up nicknaming each other person. Like he was my part, literally my person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so so nice. mm -hmm. I didn't manifest my husband. I manifested my person because those were like the literal exact words that I used. Mm -hmm. so I was kind feeling of like, Oh, to that. Um, sometimes you get like the person that you need at that time to like help you grow into like more of your like whole authentic self and like to show you what parts still need healing. It's hard to be like, oh, I'm ready right now for a soulmate. But sometimes it is that like you're ready for this person though to like love you and to like show you where you need to grow. It's yeah. kind of where you were at. <laughs> I think that's true of all relationships. I think we always get exactly what we're ready for. And we definitely forced each other to grow in a lot of really beautiful ways. And I'm, it was a relationship I'm still very, very grateful for. Um, so sweet. So that was kind of a fun manifestation. <laughs> yeah. It sounds a lot like my last relationship. Like it was like my best out of like all of them. Makes sense. I mean, you keep like improving as you go on. But I'm at a phase now too where I've been single for like a little over two and a half years and I was so avoidant to like mm. dating and being in a relationship for so long. It's almost like been slowly like, I feel like the universe has slowly like nudged me into even wanting one. And now I'm at a place where I'm feeling a lot more open and ready. So now I'm like, okay, how do I manifest this? Like, <laughs> It doesn't have to be a soulmate, but I'm ready for the next person to show me like where I need to grow, what I need to keep healing and right. have fun with and live life with. Yeah. So you said that was your favorite. Cause I'm like, oh, Leah, this is exactly where I'm at in life. Like literally. You can, oh yeah. You can manifest your next partner for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, any tips though? Like what do I need to do? 
Well, I keep seeing people talk about writing a list of the things that you want in a, you like kind of your ideal partner. Um, I actually have a list written. <laughs> you already do. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's always such an important part of the manifestation process for me. Not always mm -hmm. like, I, you know, in this story I just shared with you, I didn't write a list down or anything, but, um, the list I have, can I, I'll just, sorry, I wanted to like elaborate. No, go ahead. It's helped me because I, I go on dates and over the past like couple years at the start, I would date someone and they had like a couple qualities, but I was like, there's no way we'd be a good match to date. So it's very easy to be like, nope, 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 not for me, not for me and keep moving on and be like, cool, that date was good. It showed me something about myself I didn't know. So I took it every time as like a learning experience and just like a fun thing. Um, but now that I'm like getting closer to wanting one, the dates I go on are like a little bit harder because I'm like, you're showing me a lot more qualities that I'm looking for in a person, but then I'll refer back to my list and be like, but there's certain things that I know I need that are missing hmm. that are like, not just like a materialistic thing that I want. It's like a core, like emotional need that I'm like, that's missing. And I know that's something I can't compromise on. Hmm. Um, but the list is almost like helping me now at this phase to be like, keep me focused on like, you said you want this and that you need this. So, hmm. you know, don't settle. <laughs> Are those things that you can, you know, for sure after like a, a single date that they don't have those things or? Um, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're not just giving up too soon, right? Like, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that I can tell. Or like, it's not always me saying no. Sometimes it's them doing something that is like not, not good. <laughs> I see. Okay. Like someone just like lying to me or someone mm. not being like respectful and you know what I mean? Like that oh, yeah. one time to be like, yeah, no. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Those, <laughs> those red flags. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, sorry, I interrupted you. I was like all excited about my list. Oh, that's I, okay. Sorry. One other thing. I actually also wrote out a second list and this list helps too. I feel like now I'm throwing out my manifestation tips, even though I haven't done that yet. No, but, but let's, I want you to manifest this. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, I wrote out a list of all of like my qualities and like what I bring to the table. So having both of those, like, oh. Being, like, oh yeah, this is all of like, this is who I am, what I have to offer as a human. <laughs> and this is what I'm looking for. So it kind of helps put it in per into perspective too. So you don't feel mm -hmm. like you're overreaching or you're, asking for someone who's like super evolved and you're like not there. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh yeah, I'm pretty great. Like I have a lot to offer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like a nice reminder, I guess. But mm -hmm. okay. But tell me what other tips do I need to do <laughs> besides these lists? <laughs> to manifest the, uh, the, the person? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like they're the, one of the important things. Well, like the things that have helped me manifest the fastest are when you when you get really clear on what you want and then you just forget about it entirely. Mm. So like, I feel yep. like I've had the most trouble manifesting when I'm kind of like obsessed about the thing and I'm thinking about it every single day and it's like on the forefront of my mind. Things yep. manifest so much faster when I can just like completely forget that I even wanted the thing yep. and I go about living my life. Yeah. You know? That is great advice. Cause even when I look back at all of my best manifestations, it's always when I forget about it or I'm just like, I don't care anymore moving on. And then like a week later, a couple days later, however long I'm like, Oh, now it's here. As soon as you don't give an F. <laughs> yes. It's okay. Here you go. <laughs> I know. And it's some, like, it can be easier said than done in so many situations. Like, mm -hmm. um, I am finding that when it comes to manifesting money, 
specifically, that's like the hardest thing to not like think about all the time. Yeah. Because so many times with manifesting money, there's like a sense of urgency to it. You're kind of like, well, I got to pay my rent. So you don't like mm. manifest some more money. And yeah. so that makes it so much harder to not be emotionally invested in it. That's mm -hmm. something I'm definitely still working on is like the faith and the letting go when yeah. it's something that you really like kind of feel like you need. But yeah, I'm learning to like just know that I'm always supported by the universe and things are always going to work out for the best. So mm -hmm. but it, can be, it can be challenging for sure. I, I relate to that feeling as well. Um, something that I found that helps me because I, I started paying attention. I was like, well, I want to be able to crack this money code. So when, when I get large sums of money in my bank account, like what am I thinking or feeling or doing beforehand? And something mm. I noticed is I feel a sense of relief before it happens. So it's like that feeling of, to me, it almost feels like I don't need it anymore. Like I feel like, okay. And different, different things have caused me to feel that. And then I'll wake up or a few hours later, money happens. And it is again, just taking your attention off of it. But I've noticed that's the feeling. So I'm like, okay, how can I feel that feeling more? Right. Yeah. Cool. So how can people work with you and follow you? Ooh, okay. Well, you can find me on, I'm most active at the moment on Instagram. Uh, my handle is kindred soul studios. And I do have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. My private Facebook group is like probably my most favorite place. Mm -hmm. And the group is called She's Soul Deep on Facebook. Um, and then of course I have a website, kindredsoulstudios.com. And that's where you can go to learn more about my online course, Elevate, mm -hmm. and enroll if you feel called to. So at the moment, that's kind of the primary way that people can work with me is through this online course. It's a self-study course. So once you buy the course, you just get immediate access to all the content and all the video modules and uh, the Facebook group and everything. So um, that's kind of the, the primary way right now. I may in the future be offering more one-on-one -on -one coaching and group coaching, stuff like that. But for now, that's kind of the main way. And I'm easily reachable on social media and I love chatting with people. So DMs are cool. Email me if you want to. Let's hang out. <laughs> Amazing. I'm going to link all of these in the show notes. So, cool. yeah. <laughs> but that's cool. People will be able to <laughs> um, reach you then. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Leah, for, you know, letting me interview you. This was so great. <laughs> thank you for having me. It was, yeah, these conversations are always so fun for me too. Yeah, such a good, deep conversation today, definitely. We really went for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 